North Carolina A&T scores a huge Big South victory over Campbell in the last of Campbell's three HBCU matchups. Let's recap that game in the tour as a whole while also looking at the D2 regional rankings. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day and remember just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey is over it just means it's time to follow me on twitter at south exclusives don't forget the s on the end in north carolina ant just got a monumental big south victory i tried to think of a couple of synonyms for big because i didn't want to say a big big south victory so monumental huge um and really it's boil it down it's an important victory for the aggies like without all of these synonyms and all the extra stuff this is a big time victory and an important matchup for North Carolina A&T to make sure that they won. And I was very impressed with the resiliency that they displayed for them to be able to come out with this victory. So for me, the story of the day is Bashaw Tootin. And y'all know I've talked about how I'm a fan of his and I really enjoy this game. Actually, let me rewind. Let me tell you why it's important first so we can set that stage. This is important because there were only three undefeated in the conference, undefeated Big South teams coming into this week. And Campbell and North Carolina A&T were two of them. By doing this, with only two conference games left in the season for the Aggies, they put themselves in a position to where really they just need to beat Gardner-Webb in that last game of the season, and they will have an automatic bid to the playoffs. That's why this game was so important. So in the, the moments or the multiple moments that really stand out in this game, are the 30 carries that came from Bayshaw Tootin. You could break them down. 30 carries that were all pretty uh, important into the game because this was the most yards that Tootin had all year long. And y'all know I'm a fan of Tootin. Y'all know I love the consistency that he brings. And I guess in a way, this was kind of inconsistent with, I say this with air quotes, because it was such a spike up from what he had been doing. He had been pretty much getting 100 to 150 yards every game since week two. This game, he goes 250. That's a dominant performance. And this right here was a clear indicator of just how much of the engine he can be for the offense. We've already seen that, and we know they want to run the ball. But with Jalen Fowler, we've seen them kind of open it up a little bit, and it's not as if the passing game just disappeared. However, it was clear who the engine was. In a game where you knew you needed it, you knew how important this game was. It wasn't a game where afterwards you might say oh man that it was a good thing we won no coming into that game you knew just how important that it was going to be and Bayshaw Tootin was the engine that you used to keep your offense driving and keeping it going that's saying something Jalen Fowler has played I think about five games like a lot of time five games he played in that 
South Carolina State game, and I think he started four games since. Let's see. I think that's four, right? Let's just say four or five games. In these four or five games, off the top of my head, I can't remember, Tootin has actually not carried the ball more than Fowler has passed it, nothing but two times. This was one of them. So only one time coming into this game, had Fowler had less passing attempts, and that's not even including scrambles, just balls that went into the air, than Tootin had rushes. In this game, Tootin had 30 carries. Fowler didn't hit the 30 number through the air. In a game where it was so important and you knew you needed to have it, you laid on your best player. That's who you relied on because you know that if I put the ball in Tootin's hand, something special is going to happen. And special things did happen because on 30 carries, he had 256 yards. Now, something that I've done, and this is just an internal thing, is I've made Bayshaw Tootin versus Jarvie and Howard a thing for me. And not in a one has to be a above the other type of deal, but I just feel like I've heard a lot about Howard. Now, admittedly, I'm a SWAT guy, Texas Southern alum. You know, that's something that's more in my face. I don't know if I follow too many North Carolina ANC people on Twitter. If that's the case, please follow me at South Exclusives. Y'all see it right here. Please follow me. Tell your North Carolina ANC family and friends to follow me because I want to talk to you guys, right? So maybe that's the case. But I've heard a lot about Howard. Heard he's going to be newcomer of the year. And I think he deserves a lot of the praise that he's getting. My only thing is that Bayshaw Tootin also deserves that praise. And I don't feel like he has gotten it. And that's my thing. Never one to bring down Howard. Only one to bring up Tootin. So you'll never hear me knock him. I think they're two different styles. And their team had different levels of success. That's why I don't think it's really been a conversation. But I do think that it should have been. Tootin is consistent. 100 to 150 yards. Howard has had explosive plays. 200 and almost 200 yards and almost 300 yards in separate games. It's different styles. Alcorn was really hot to start the year. North Carolina A&T wasn't. North Carolina A&T is hot now. Alcorn is disappointing me. The difference between styles, one's more just attention grabbing, but then also the team success is the reason I don't think you have heard this conversation much. And I don't think you will because they just aren't on the same level of success at a team at the same time. Hopefully, North Carolina A&T does not go down. But I do have a feeling that Alcorn will go down. Then also in this game, Campbell jumped up to a quick lead. We're going to switch gears, talk about the defense. Campbell jumped up to a really quick lead, and that was 28-10. to 10. It wasn't just the 14 to nothing start. At the end of the first quarter, they were up 18 points. At the end of the first half, it was the same exact score. No scoring happened in the second quarter. So now you're looking at a big time lead that has to change hands. And this is where the resiliency comes back because obviously we know North Carolina ANC wins this game after scoring 28 points in the first quarter. They only scored 10 the rest of the game. Campbell did after only scoring 10 points in the first quarter and none in the, well, 10 points in the first half altogether. They scored 20 in the third quarter and 15 in the fourth quarter. That's what North Carolina ANC did. That is a very, very resilient performance from both sides of the ball. And I wanted to highlight it because if you just look at the final score and you don't actually look deeper to try to get context, it looks like a shootout. I mean, it's a high scoring game. You can't knock that as, at all. But a shootout kind of implies that there's no defense being played. And that's just not true. Yes, you do not want to allow 38 points. Do not want that at all. However, if you're going to tell me you allowed 38 points and you tell me how it happened, and it's that they scored 28 in the first quarter, not in the first half, the first quarter, had 300 yards in the first quarter. 
and then you only end up with 38 points allowed, I'm going to talk about how resilient and how much that defense bounced back. That's what I'm going to, that's my story. That's my storyline. Of course, you can talk about the 38 points. You don't have to talk about the same things as I will. But that's what I'm going to focus on because that's what was impressive and that's what led to them winning the game. Because when you allow 28 points in the first quarter, sometimes it doesn't matter how much your offense kicks it in because that's just too much to overcome. Because there's a reason that 28 points got scored on you. North Carolina a took that story out of it. I'm very proud of the Aggies and I thought this was a great, resilient victory and it meant a lot going forward to the Big South Championship and then also going into the playoffs. Possibly. Fingers crossed, right? Because this goes a long way into them winning this conference and that would put them in the position or not even in a position. That would put them as an automatic bid into the playoffs. So you got to love that. And this big time win for North Carolina A&C and a major loss for Campbell is actually the last of three HBCU matchups that Campbell had on their schedule this year. And I kind of called it a measuring stick coming into the season. I don't believe it became that, but it was still an interesting storyline to watch going through the season. So let's recap it now that it's all over. Before we get into that, however, this week's thrilling moment in college football comes to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind Nissan's new lineup of vehicles are intended to empower the driver with cars that are just as capable as they are, because I know you guys can drive, right? <laughs> but yes, that's the intention behind this lineup. And when I think of unbelievable abilities, I have to think about Bayshaw Tootin. 30 carries, 256 yards. He had two touchdowns that were over 40 yards, one of 42 and one of 70 yes i think it was 70 on the dot i don't know if unbelievable is the right word but thrilling most definitely is i've seen him do it for weeks upon weeks i believe that he could do it it didn't shock me and it was great to watch him do it on such a big stage and this segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across nissan's new lineup of vehicles pursue what fits you or excuse me, pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today. Available now at NissanUSA.com. As we continue rolling on today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I thank you for making us your first listen of the day every single day for your second listen of the day make sure you're checking out locked on sports today with host peter bukowski who's also the host of locked on packers if i have any cheese heads in the views or in the comments make sure you're checking them out on that platform as well but on locked on sports today he's going to have all of the national stories but here's what makes us different from some of these national programs we have all of the national stories but we're talking to the local experts they actually know they're there so they can actually tell you exactly what's going on. So make sure you're checking out Locked On Sports today. And Campbell had three HBCU scheduled this year. I said it was going to be a measuring stick. It didn't quite turn out that way, but it was still very fun and it was very entertaining to watch and kind of a storyline that was ongoing. That's probably the better way to explain it starting off the year because it's not an exact science when you know multiple teams are playing each other. But is an ongoing storyline that was pretty fun. And it started off with North Carolina Central. I do want to say shout out to Coach Mentor, the head coach for Campbell, because I don't know how much he played a part in this, but part of me feels like this is not an accidental decision to have three HBCUs on the schedule. Clearly, North Carolina a was going to be there because they are conference opponents. That has nothing to do with Mentor, has nothing to do with Campbell. It just has to do with the fact that both of these teams are in the Big South, Big South and they'll also be in the CAA next year, just as a little nugget but that's all this has to do with but then you look at jackson state 
Coach Mentor specifically went to the athletic director when Jackson State hired Deion Sanders and said, I want to play that team. And they made it happen. I don't know if the same thing happened with Central. Part of me would like to believe that's the case because I don't want to think this was an accident that they played three teams. But regardless, it's still fun. Even if it wasn't like, I want to play HBCUs and it's not like we need a PWI savior with anything, right? But it's still pretty cool to see them play three HBCUs and two of their out-of-conference games did go to HBCUs. I think that's pretty dope. That's just me personally. But regardless of if it was purposeful or accidental, it happened. And let's start off with North Carolina Central. In this game, oh, man. I, there's probably some Campbell players, some Campbell alums, some Campbell family who probably felt like things were sweet after this game because they absolutely obliterated North Carolina Central. It was embarrassing. This was an embarrassing game for North Carolina Central, but it was fun to cover because it kind of built up the Jackson State game. You know, um, some people ain't going to like this, right? But when you look at Avengers Infinity War, for those who are in the MCU, this is my per personal opinion. The Hulk has been a sacrificial lamb so many times. But let's just specifically focus on Thanos. Thanos opens up the movie and he smacks Hulk up. Hulk looks incredibly weak. Hulk ain't recovered since. But he looks incredibly weak. And even when you think he's going to get back to form, he then doesn't. Hulk was a sacrificial lamb to me to make Thanos look good. Now, of course, this isn't a storyline where you can write how things are going to happen. But in a way... North Carolina Central, who hasn't looked the same since, if we're going to be honest, and even when they dominated Morgan State and you thought they were going to get their mojo back, they didn't. They then had the scene where Hawk screaming in a suit and he won't come loose when you had to go against North, or excuse me, when you had to go against South Carolina State. So it's kind of like the parallels still running. But overall, they looked so bad, and you want to call them a sacrificial lamb, so to speak, for Campbell because then it made the Campbell versus Jackson State game have even more allure. Had North Carolina Central came in and even beat Campbell, they didn't have to dominate them the way they were dominated in real life, but if they had even just beat Campbell, this Jackson State game is not going to have the same, ooh, let's watch. Because it was actually a little feeling like, oh, they might, they might get Jackson State because everybody thought Campbell, or excuse me, that Central was so good at that time. They were just a sacrificial lamb. They were the Incredible Hawk or Smart Hawk or Hawk, whatever you want to call them. They were the Hawk to Campbell's Thanos. Built them up. But even Thanos had to eventually lose. And that's exactly what happened against Jackson State. The run game that was so dominant against Central was non-existent for the most part against Jackson State. They were able to run the ball all up and down Central. When it came to Jackson State, that wasn't the case. And it led to them not having as many, as many plays. It led to them not having as much success on offense. And Jackson State came out victorious in this game. So now it's 1-1. And we already know how this Central game went, right? They got out hot, but they cooled down. And Central, or excuse me, an A&T was able to make up and win this game. So we know how that one went. So now you're looking at a team that is 1-2 against HBCUs. Anybody who tells you that this game was, or these games weren't challenging or lying, I know how these games transpired. You don't need to make them sound like they're a dud. I prefer for Campbell to be a good team. It makes the wins more impressive no matter how you got them. I'm not going to sit here and act like they were no challenge or they were walking apart or they just ran over Campbell. That didn't happen. It did not happen, okay? And I don't need to boost it up to say that. Now, I'm sure we all wanted HBCUs to win, and that's what happened. I wanted entertaining games, but I wanted HBCUs to win in those. We're all HBCU fans. A variety of HBCU fans are in here, but we're all HBCU fans. 
Except for that one guy who was here when Jackson State beat Campbell. He was going at it with the Tiger fans. Hopefully we can get him to go at it with the Aggie fans as well. But now he might not if you watch the whole episode. And he might know I'm trying to... I just want to be entertained, okay? It was fun in the comments, so it was nice. How you doing, sir, if you're still here? If you're not, ah, oh well. Anywho, this game was challenging. And I thought it was very impressive to really watch these games because you look at it Jackson State hasn't had another game in which they didn't win by double digits this was the only game that happened in North Carolina A&C hasn't allowed 30 points to an FCS school all year except for North Dakota State and now Campbell these are and they put up 38 North Dakota State put up 43 these were impressive performances and the fact that it was a challenge makes it even more fun to cover. I'm just glad the HBCUs won. And going forward, we're going to be talking about the D2 regional rankings because though Virginia Union lost to Chowan and it felt like they might have lost it all, it seems like they have not. They are still in the top seven for the Super Region number two top 10 rankings. That is very exciting because it means their playoff hopes are still alive. But before I get into that, I want to tell you about sweat block. There is no shame in sweating. I live in Texas. When it's, in, when it's hot, when it's in the summer, sometimes I'm like, man, I'm really sweating in here. And then I got to wipe the pits with a little bit of sweat block because I don't want to see the stains. I don't want you to see the stains. I don't want her to see the stains. I don't want any of that, right? So with that being the case, sweat block is phenomenal for that. And we've all been there. I'll I, I tell you the truth. Sweat block is how I fixed it. But you might have a big presentation where you get nervous. You might have a first date where you get nervous. It happens. It happens to the best of us. And that's okay. As long as you got sweat block, the only person who's going to know that you're nervous is you. Because he or she will not be able to see just how nervous you are. Make your stress invisible. Right? There you go. Sweat block. Make the stress invisible. And you can get 20% off at sweatblock.com by using the promo code locked on, or you can go to Amazon. As we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, we're back with another set of D2 football rankings for the playoffs. Mind you, they're all divided up into regional rankings. All HBCU, Division II HBCUs, of course, are in the Region 2. So Super Region 2 is the CIAA and then also the SIAC, amongst other teams. This list gives us a lot more clarity for me. It gives me clarity on what I want to know. Yes, last week's list was good for knowing who was in the mix, but now I get to not only know who's in the mix, but also where which teams are. I kind of liken it to... When a movie is announced and they announce the cast, right? I know Kiki Palmer is going to be in this, right? I know Daniel Kaluuya is going to be in this. I know that they're going to be in this movie, but what role are they going to play? What are they doing? Do I have anything about it that I can actually grab on to? Not really. I just know the cast. I just know the people. I just know the teams. But now this second list is kind of like the first trailer where... Now I get to see a little something. Now I know a little, I know a little bit of the plot. I don't want to say the whole plot, but I can see a little something that's going on. I know what Kiki going to be doing. I know what Daniel going to be doing. Now, instead of just knowing that Benedict is in this top 10, which wasn't even a surprise, but instead of just knowing they're in this top 10, I now know they're number two. So I now know they're one of the better seeds that are in this division and, and should be considered a favorite, not the favorite, but a favorite to win this region. That's what I mean when I say this list gives me more clarity because I came on yesterday 
and I detailed how I wasn't sure what was going to happen with Virginia Union. They're number five. To me, this tells me that they were pretty stinking high last week because they lost. Yet they're still five. So they were probably three. They might even have been two, to be honest. It wouldn't even have shocked me if they were above Benedict. I kind of wish that they would have won just so we could see what would have happened, what that outcome would have been. That would have been kind of interesting to me. Last week, you had four HBCUs. You had Benedict, you had Albany, you had Fort Valley, and you had Virginia Union. Those were the four HBCUs who were in the mix. Don't know where they were, but they were in the mix. It's my assumption that at least two of them were in. That's that's not even a, that's not fair. It's my assumption that I think three of them were in. Because two is just too easy, right? Um, but now you have five HBCUs who are in the mix. And because we actually have numbers attached to them, I can tell you that three HBCUs would be in the playoffs if we started today. Benedict is at number two. Virginia Union is at five, as I mentioned earlier. And then Tuskegee, who wasn't even in the top 10. Mind you, some teams are going to fall in. Some teams are going to fall out. That's just how it goes. Tuskegee, who wasn't even in the top 10 last week, is now at number seven. So if the playoffs started today, they'd make the cut. Let's start off with them because they are a newcomer, and then I'll tell you the other two teams who are just in the mix, but not quite in that top seven. Tuskegee won the SEAC West last week. And funny enough, if the playoffs started today, it's two versus seven in the first week. You would see Benedict versus Tuskegee. Luckily for you, you don't have to hope that happens. You're going to see it at the SIAC Conference Championship. That kind of hurts Tuskegee or Benedict. You're not going to see that matchup in the playoffs likely because if Tuskegee wins, they're going to rise. Benedict's going to drop. I doubt they're going to schedule them at four and five to where they play again. If Benedict wins, Tuskegee is probably going to drop out of the top seven because they're right on the cusp. So you're right. You are the bar. Anything under you, you don't make it. You don't really want to be the bar ever. In anything you don't want to be the person if you're worse than this guy or you're worse than this girl then you are pretty bad you don't want to be that or if you under them you ain't made the cut you don't really want to be the bar in most situations sometimes you be like okay at least i was the last one in at least i got in you know but most times you don't want to be in that position but that's the position that tuskegee is in i've already talked about virginia union is at as far as dropping but if i'm them i'm coming in and i am trying to beat the dog crap out of virginia state Point blank period. It is really that simple because I need a statement win. I'm not going to win the conference. Likely. Likely. I'm not going to get to the conference championship. I need to make sure that the last time you see me, I am putting up a statement performance in whooping the butt of Virginia State. Period. Trust me, if we wasn't on camera and we were in the locker room, it ain't so PG. You got to make sure that you dominate Virginia uh, State if you are a union, because that is going to be the last time they see you. You're at five. You don't have much room to drop. I think you're going to make it because you're here, but you don't want to even risk it. Put a dominant performance on film and let them deal with that. The two teams who have not made the cut are Fayetteville State, who is at number 10. They are the last team to get in this top 10. And then also Albany State, who is at eight. So they're the one team out. Albany State just needs a little bit of luck. They, they aren't going to make the conference championship, so they're not going to win the conference championship. You just need a little bit of luck, and Tuskegee losing could do it for you. The only problem is Fayetteville State, if they win a CIAA championship, they might jump Albany. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a leapfrog game, and that'll be interesting. But those are the two teams who are 
in the mix. Fayetteville State, Albany State, in the mix. Virginia Union, Benedict College, and then Tuskegee are in the playoffs. If it were to start today, Benedict just has to keep doing what they're doing. They are at number two. If Delta State loses, they'll be at one. But if they continue to take care of business, at worst, they'll be at number two. And that's the good news that we're going to end it off with. Tomorrow's episode, you will hear another set of rankings, but this time is going to be talking about our FCS HBCU teams. So I cannot wait to do that tomorrow. I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day. Every day for your second listen of the day, go ahead and check out Locked On Sports today with Peter Bukowski, breaking down all the national news with the local experts who know better than everybody else. In the meantime, in between time, if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family, take care, stay blessed. Peace.